We have four of our men running the LA Marathon. They started at seven, now they've been running for about four hours. I'd pray for them, but I think if they're still running, they probably need a taxi more than prayer. <laughs> but um, you know, we have four guys running, we have about a dozen people missing from church today because they're there, either relatives or supporting them. And uh, it's, it's kind of neat. Pastor Corey's one of them, Matt Ong, uh, Eric Hoxie, Brian Quox. They're over there, uh, I, I guess they got there like at 6 o'clock. And, and, uh, and uh, I, I'd probably turn on about a five-hour marathon time if they make it. Uh, that's exciting. It's fun. You know, I have a lot of announcements, so I'd like to start you off by saying, uh, inviting you, let's say, to take out your connection card. And this is a card that uh, gives you the opportunity to connect with us. But especially if this is your first or second time here, we'd appreciate you uh, filling this out to whatever degree you like. And, and there are there's, uh, questions or, let's say, things, items on the back if you'd like to communicate with us. And uh, while you're doing that, let me share some, uh, some important announcements. Uh, know that in the foyer right here at the Presto Kiosk, that's when you go out and go to the right, right there on the table there are a couple of things. One, there's an Easter, um, Easter uh, devotional. It's called uh, Preparing Our Heart for Easter. And basically, it's, it'll be for next starting tomorrow. If you'd like to follow along, there, there, each day, individual days, there's a very short scripture to read, some questions for you to think through, and that's just so we're trying to prepare our hearts for the celebration of the resurrection. Each Sunday, I'm going to give you, a, have a new sheet available for you, and they're very short. I mean, when you look at the paper, it's only, I think it's about one inch, the text and just uh, the things to consider, and so it's, it's, it's short, but it's something to keep our minds and hearts moving forward toward the resurrection celebration. So that's on the table out there. Also on the table out there is a sign-up for our 30-plus versus 29 and under basketball game. That's going to be March 6th. So that sign-up is out there, so keep that in mind. Also out there on that table, there is a sign-up for the men's potluck dinner. Uh, I'm sorry we didn't talk about this earlier, but we have a, this coming Saturday, there's a potluck for all men, all guys. Okay, and if you'd like to bring something, if you want to bring like something to eat, there's a sign up there and just let us know what you're going to bring. But if you don't have time or you don't line up, want to bring anything, that's okay, just come. And so this is a time for a bunch of guys to get together, they get to know one another, and we're going to look at some things in the Bible uh, according to a, a, a man's perspective. Okay, so this Saturday, 5 p.m., it's not in here, but it's 5 p.m., we meet in the social hall, and uh, a bunch of guys get together. We're going to eat like a bunch of high schoolers. Okay. What else we got here? Tonight, there's a West Covina Bible study. It's not going to be at the Yee's home. Uh, Derek is a good husband. He's probably going to take Suzanne out to dinner because it's Valentine's Day. I'm going to be leading the Bible study in the social hall here. So if you'd like to come to the West Covina Bible study, it'll be here at church, 630. Um, also, today there's the gathering this afternoon. That's our college and young adult people. That's uh, this, this afternoon at 4 o'clock. Let's see what else we have. Oh, my gosh. This, this Thursday, ladies' night out. Ladies, here's something for you. Um, Thursday, February 18th, 7.30-9, you're welcome to come together at the Guppy House in West Covina. It's a restaurant. 
uh, over there, very close. I think it's, is it, is it Barranca and the 10 or Citrus and the 10? It's in between there, huh? Somewhere on there. It's close to Citrus, huh? It's close to Citrus and the 10, and uh, right south of the 10, on the south side of the 10 uh, by Citrus. And uh, ladies, 7 30, oh, Thursday. Okay? Let's see what else we have. Upper Room Men's Bible Study, this Saturday, 9 a.m. Uh, men, we have our Bible study time. Come and join us if you've never been there. Coffee, donuts, we get into the Word a little bit. It's a lot of fun. Okay, another, Easter Choir. Easter's coming up. We have a choir rehearsal a week from today uh, at 1230. I think I covered it all. I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. Oh, okay. Now that we're uh, now that we know today that we're all Broncos fans, right? We're all Broncos fans. I don't care what you thought about about the Panthers, but we're all Broncos fans today. Okay. I'd like you to, I want to invite you to open your Bible. We're going to read a text um, before we get into the Word today. And if you have your Bible, you're welcome to open it to Mark chapter 7. I'm going to read just two verses, verse 14 and 15. Mark chapter 7, verse 14 and 15. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. Let's pray. Father, as we gather and we continue our study in the book of Mark, we ask your blessing on this for it to speak to our hearts. That's what we're talking about today, Lord. We're talking about the heart. So speak to our heart speak to our mind, speak to us in a way in which we can understand the truth and see the relevance to our lives today. So thank you, Lord. Bless this, this time we have in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Valentine's Day. You know, for some people, it's a really a great day. I think it's a great day for me to be talking about the Lord today when we think of Valentine's Day. Because Everything God reveals to us in his word, everything that God is trying to teach us, really deals with our heart. God is the God of the heart. And so when we think of Valentine's Day, we think of the heart, and we think of all these neat inside things on love, and, and, and know that our God is that kind of God. He's the God of the heart. When we hear about how God works through like heart lessons, what Tina shared today, when we have someone like Tina up here sharing, wasn't that fun just to listen about her life? You know, we, we hear how God worked in her life, which helps us think a little bit more on how God has worked in our life, and which also helps us kind of think more about how God is working in our world. That's why we have heart lessons, and we get to know Tina a little deeper and a little more in detail, and it's just really nice to be able to do that. So heart lessons are great, but when we talk about the heart here, realize that God created all of us in his image, and a part of that truth is that we have heart. 
Now, I'm not talking about that that, that pumping thing inside of you. When I say heart, I'm talking about that immaterial central command center that forms our thoughts and guides our actions. That's when the Bible talks about heart. That's the heart it's talking about. Now think about it today as you turn on the TV. Wouldn't it be neat if we can see the real heart of all the presidential candidates? <laughs> I think every one of them would just be disqualified. Anyway, see, Jesus taught that it's, that it's not what goes into a person which makes him unclean. Mm-mm. It's, not what, it's not what goes into a person that makes him unclean. It's what comes out. It's what comes out of us that harms us, that harms our world, that reveals a lot of things about who we are. He was referring to the heart, what comes out of your heart. See, this morning we're going to continue to to explore this truth in the book of Mark, and we're going week by week in the book of Mark, and and this week we had verse 7. And so I'm going to pull some, uh, a few text out of verse 7, look at this. So we're going to look at the heart. And the first thing we're going to look at is the great deception. So look at verse 14 and 15, what I just read a little while ago, and let's read it once again and look at the truth that Jesus says. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. See, this truth was taught by Jesus in response to the accusations of the Pharisees and the religious leaders of that time. What they saw, these religious leaders were kind of observing Jesus and his disciples. They wanted to kind of trip him up. They wanted to find something to use against him. And they noticed that before the meal, that Jesus and his disciples did not do what all good Hebrews, Jews were supposed to do, and that is go through a ceremonial hand washing. They didn't do that. So if you didn't do that, that's something that was, was a really big no-no to the people back then. See, we have to understand that over the decades, over the, really the centuries, that the Jewish leaders created hundreds of rules and regulations for their people to obey. So to be a good Hebrew, to be a good Jew, you had to obey them daily. And if you didn't, you were branded unclean. You were branded uh, defiled you're branded unacceptable for fellowship with God and unacceptable for fellowship with other Jews. So, if the disciples didn't ceremonially wash their hands before they ate, the food was defiled. Then that defiled food went into their body. And no longer was that person acceptable to God. See, this teaching wasn't from God. This teaching was from man. Jesus said, Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? 
For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. Yet when we think about it, our thoughts and really our laws in our society all center around what goes into us. And that is the great deception. That's the great deception. It's kind of like where society is always telling us garbage in, garbage out. Well, and sometimes that's true. But here we're talking about how God sees things. And God is saying, no, 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 that's not really the source. Our society says to us, don't drink. Don't drink while you're driving. In other words, don't put that thing into you. Don't take drugs. Don't watch that porn. Don't put that Twinkie in your mouth. See, don't put these things into you. That's what our society is saying. But God knows that isn't the source of the problem. The source of the problem is the heart. That's why the Bible talks about the heart so much. Okay, I got confession time here. Don't tell my kids. I drank while I was underage. Is that okay? No, it isn't. But those are my, what we call our BC days, my, my before Christ days. And all I can say is I believe that God kept me from either going to the hospital with serious injury or kept me out of jail or kept me from going to the grave because he knew that down the line, someday I was probably going to, I was going to love him and I was going to serve him and, and, and he didn't want me to have a jail ministry. <laughs> See, what was the problem? Why would I do that? Why would I, you know, for one thing, uh, for some reason... These guys thought I was 21 when I'd go in there. And I'd actually buy for my friends. You know, some of you know how that is. You know, you're that guy. You are that guy, right? Some of you are nodding your head. Okay, you understand. Okay, but what was my problem? Was it peer pressure? Was it the wrong friends? Was it the fact that beer tasted so good? Let me think about that one. You know, the problem was, the problem was my heart. Really, when I really think about it, it was my heart. I really had a rebellious heart and a dumb mind. All the things I knew about the law, all the things I knew about driving while drinking, all the things I knew about my health, all the things I knew about respect for life, all the things I knew about honoring my parents, they never entered my heart. Back in those days, it never entered my heart. See, God, our creator, tells us that the real source of our good or bad choices, the real source of our good or bad thoughts, the real source of our good or bad actions depends on the condition of our heart. So let's look at that. Let's look at the condition of the heart. Let's look at verses 20 to 23. Let's look at what that says. Jesus goes on in talking about the heart, and he says this. He went on, What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, comes evil thoughts, 
sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. But if it's the heart which directs our life choices and thoughts, how did all that gunk get in our heart to begin with? Well, there are other verses that touch upon that. When we look at Psalm 51.5, the psalmist wrote, Surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Think about that. We were born with what we can say a sin gene. We sin, we disobey God. Why? Because we are basically sinners. You know, it's one of the most basic things is that, you know, when a child is born, you have to teach that child to share because everything belongs to that child, right? This is mine. You have to teach that child to share. There's so many reasons, ways we see how we have that sin gene. Why do we have to carry around keys? Why do we have to lock things? Look at Numbers 32, 23. Be sure your sin will find you out. See, we have a sin nature. In other words, we are prone to sin. We're prone to sin. You know, no less than a dog that howls when the siren comes by. You know, we are prone to sin. We naturally live a life contrary to the life that God wants us to live. That's just our nature. We do that. Paul knew that. Paul wrote, he said, I do what I hate to do. We're all like Paul. We're all like that. We all fall short of the life God wants us to experience. Look at Isaiah 59.2. It says, your iniquities have separated you from God. What does that mean, your iniquities? Basically, to make it really simple, your sin. Now, some people, I've said this over and over again because so many people have a certain view of what that word sin means. But sin literally just means missing the mark. In other words, your thoughts, your actions, your motives, your heart is not what God wants it to be. You're missing the mark. You're missing the life that God wants you to live. Imagine we go down to Long Beach. And I say this because when we have sin, and we all do, like the Bible says, hey, we're born, we're born with that sin nature. Sin creates this huge gap between us and God. This huge gap between us. Let's say we all, I get a bunch of buses here, and all of us jump on these buses and we all go down to Long Beach. And we all get out of the buses at Long Beach, and we all go to the beach down on the shore there. And I say, okay, everyone. See that out there, 26 miles across the sea, as the song says, there's Catalina Island. Take a running jump and try to reach there. Everyone, get back, start running, and, and, and just try to make it to Catalina. 
I, I guarantee most of you will be farther than I, than I, than I go. I have a terrible, um, terrible jump. I'm terrible on that. But the bottom line is none of us will make it. Not one of us will make it. And see, that's how it is with sin. That's how it is with that gulf between us and God. None of us can possibly make that. We are all separated from God. That's how it is with God and us. Sin separates a sinful people from a holy God. We're born on this path of separation. But God in his love and grace, the Bible tells us through his grace and his love for us, what did he do? He sends Jesus. And through faith in Jesus who went to the cross for us, through faith in him, he is that bridge, right? He's that bridge that closed, that, that, that bridges over that gap between us and God, and boom, we now are able to cross over and have that relationship and experience that life that God wants us to have. Leading us to the Father. But you know, the, the thing is that even being saved, but even after crossing over that gap, even you're here with the Lord, even in that, we still have this, this battle inside of us. Paul says it's like a raging battle inside of us. We, we want to do the things we know we shouldn't do. We still have that tendency to a certain degree to sin. It's a battle always in us. We want to let the new heart, the new self take over. It's kind of like the old hymn. I mean, hear these words. I'm not going to sing it because you you'll hate it. But I'm going to just read these words. The words of this old hymn. Bind my wandering heart to thee, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. We're prone to do that. We're prone to, to stray. We're, we're prone to, to, to do things contrary to how God wants us to do things. That's, that's still in us. It's a battle. Paul knew it. Even Paul, this wonderful, incredible spiritual apostle, he struggled with that too. He struggled with it. And since we are prone to, to, to leave God, the danger lies in when we surround ourselves with things, conversations, temptations that are not from God. Because we are prone, when we surround ourselves with the things that are not of God, what we're prone to do, we are more likely to do. You know, I have relatives that were once hot for God. I have relatives that were really just hot for the Lord, you know. But now I would say they are like light years away from the Lord. You know, these are people who once worshipped it really from their heart, and they, 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 they serve God sacrificially, but no more. What happened? What happened? See, the condition of their heart changed. What are the signs of that? Signs of, of the condition of your heart changing? Well, think about it. Are you going to church less than maybe other times in your life? Are you opening the Bible less than other times in your life? See, it should be going more and more and more, but no, if it's going down less, less and less, things are changing. 
Are you praying? How, how, how is your personal prayer life? See, these three things are good things that are kind of like ways of taking your spiritual temperature. Church attendance, reading the word, and personal prayer. Think about it. How is that going in your life? Those are good kind of, kind of measurements for you. To have a right heart requires that we surround our heart with the right things. Look what Paul wrote to the church in Philippi in Philippians 4, 8. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think upon such things. In other words, just immerse yourself in the things of the Lord. Immerse yourself in good stuff. And there's so much junk out there, and you guys know it. And it's right at our fingertips. But we got to choose to immerse ourselves in the things of God. And part of that is being here right here. Right? Part of that is right here. This is almost like your, 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 your power shot for the week, right? It shouldn't be that way, though. You should be trying to connect with God every day. But at least come here and in the family of God. Yeah, may God just speak to you and bless you as you come here. But we want to immerse ourselves regularly in the things of God to open that Bible, to turn to him in prayer, surround ourselves with things that build us up and feed our heart good stuff. We want to nurture that heart of ours. Well, let's talk about the right heart, though. We've talked about the, all these things, the condition of the heart and all that, but let's talk about the right heart. And to talk about the right heart, we're going to flip it a little bit. We're going to talk about how does a right heart look. And we see an example here right in, in Mark chapter 7. Look at verse 25. When you have a right, healthy heart. Look at 25. We'll start with the story here. I'm just going to read what I have down here. A woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syria, Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. Okay, you got the picture? This woman was a Gentile. This person was a non-Jew, just like us. And, and realize that all the first converts, at least primarily all of them, uh, most of them were Jews. The early converts of Christ were Jews. And Jesus replied to this woman figuratively. She's pleading for Jesus' help. But this is how Jesus responds. Look at verse 27. First, let the children eat all they want, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Wow, doesn't that sound harsh? Doesn't that sound really cold-blooded? But let's think about what he's saying here, because these words have symbolic meaning. Children. Children symbolically meant the, believe, the unbelieving nation of Israel. See, the, the order of the salvation message was to go out first to Israel and then to the rest of the world. So that's one thing Jesus is saying. The children represented the unbelieving nation of Israel. Well, what was the bread? 
The bread represented Jesus' message and ministry. So the bread goes first to the children. And then later on, Jesus is saying, hey, later on, it's going to go to the rest of the rest of the world. Dogs, hey, dogs are the Gentile world, the non-Jewish world. But realize it's not street dogs. They're, they're like, your, like your wonderful pet you have at home that you really care for. Here's this pet of yours under the dining room table, just waiting for a little scrap to fall. And, and, that, and the dog represented the Gentile world waiting under the dining room table. In other words, God's timing. Salvation was first offered to the Jews and then to the world. That's all Jesus was basically saying. But this mom, this mom, she would not take no for an answer. So in faith and desperation, this is how she responds to what Jesus said. Yes, Lord. But even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. So Jesus, seeing her heart and faith, wow! He replies to her and says this, For it's such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Jesus came to earth with marching orders. What I mean by that is Jesus, when he started his ministry, he had a pretty strict timetable. He had a pretty strict timetable of where he had to be, what he had to do, and when he had to do it. But in this case, he was touched by the heart of this mother, this heart that cries out from this mother. He was touched by her, and the Lord goes with the leading of his own heart. And what does he do? He changes. He breaks his own plans. He breaks his own rules and blesses this woman of faith. So what does this tell us? This tells us when we have a right heart, we are changeable. And change is so important in life, and you guys know it. Change a, a right heart is a giving and a compassionate heart. It's a giving, compassionate heart. A right heart can make a self-centered bachelor into the most loving, sacrificial husband. To be that husband like the Bible says, that love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. A right heart can, can make loving parents. A right heart can make a compassionate boss. A right heart can make a servant like pastor. A right heart makes a person change their plans, tosses away so many important things they have to do, and go to the the help of their friend. Go to help their friend in need. See, a right heart pushes us beyond what we want to do and makes us more like Jesus in our world. That's why God wants us to have a right heart. A right heart loves and is 
boundless in what it's capable of doing. That's why Jesus can talk about things like, hey, if they want you a shirt, give them your tunic. Hey, if you have to walk a mile, walk two miles. How can he say that to us? Because he's hoping we're going to have the right heart. See, God wants us to be people of the heart. Understanding that the life with God is a life focused on the inner you. Not on your outside world, but on who are you, the real person inside. Don't try to fool me. Don't try to say the right words at the right time. Who are you? And that is determined by your heart. And the blessing that we have in Christ that each person who has placed their faith in Christ has a new heart. We have that new heart. And we gotta want to plug into that new heart. We want to nurture that new heart. We want that new heart to take over because that new heart wants to love and obey God and make a difference in this world. What does 1 Samuel 16, 7 say? The Lord does not look at the things man looks at, Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Let's pray. Father, we want to be real people. We don't want to be Sunday Christians. We want to be 24-7 Christians. We want to be Christians that move forward in our faith and forward in our love and forward in our compassion and forward in our service to you. We can only do that, Lord, when we have the right heart. So help us to nurture our hearts in the right way and use us, Father, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand for our closing song.